You're listening to DraftKings Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Happy New Year, Amin Hassan. Happy New Year, Charlotte Wilder. Thank you. Do you like my background? Happy basketball year. Mm-hmm. Why Why is this a basketball year? Well, because every year is a basketball year. Oh, there it is. <laughs> Merry New Year! I'm Amin Hassan. That's Charlotte Wilder. It is the year 2024. We have basketball, Charlotte, and we have we had a trade that happened over the weekend. The Toronto Raptors were being sued by the New York Knicks. Uh, yeah, they did a trade with one another. As the Knicks sent R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, and a 2024 second-round pick from the Detroit Pistons, which is basically like a de facto 2024 first-round pick. Yeah. Uh, in return... They received OG Ananobi. They also received Malachi Flynn and Precious Achua. Right on cue, all those guys got to play immediately for their new teams as the Knicks played against the Western Conference leading Minnesota Timberwolves. That doesn't sound right. Just saying it out of my mouth still sounds weird. And defeated them 112 to 106. OG Ananobi had 17 points and six rebounds. Meanwhile, Toronto beat the Cavs 124 to 121. RJ Barrett had 19 points and nine rebounds, quickly added 14 and six. So, Charlotte, mm-hmm. you have the pleasure of living in a domicile in uh, holy matrimony with a man who enjoys his knickerbockers. What was the reaction from I mean- <laughs> old Mr. Wilder? Let me let me report live uh, and speak on behalf of all Knicks fans where I say that there is more hope than there's been in a long time, which I don't know. I don't know if this is the Knicks being cruel to their fans to give them this kind of hope or if this is hope that is actually warranted because watching the Knicks last night against the Timberwolves, OG fit in really well. I mean, and I think that he is 
what the Knicks needed in terms of working with Jalen Brunson and um, Julius Randle. But, you know, it's like, as as Becky Hammond said famously a few weeks ago, is do the Knicks have that guy? Um, but I, I will say that hope hope in Knicks in Knicks kingdom is is higher than it's. I need your help in determining if it's too high, I guess. Like how- it's always too high. It's okay. always too high. Let me, let okay. me just say right now. It's always too high. OG Ananobi is a really good player. Uh, he was an integral part of a championship team in Toronto. He's been a guy who's been highly coveted on the market. At the same time, you look at what you give up. You give up RJ Barrett, who's been an up-and-down player mm-hmm. uh, for most of his career and most of this season. He started the season strong and then lately has struggled. You gave up Emmanuel quickly, who is kind of the, the right kind of brash, hot-blooded energy you want coming off of your bench, but not necessarily one that you want pining for a bigger role, which is what he, he is. And obviously, he's going to be a restricted free agent. He's looking for a certain payday. And you gave up a pick that's going to be good. But again, this isn't a draft that I think people are writing home about. Uh, so you made this move, and by the way, you also got Precious Achua, who I think is an incredibly underrated part of this deal. Mm-hmm. As a guy who could play the four, he could play the five. He's a stretch four. He could shoot the three. Uh, he's a good defensive player. He's a good rebounder. Like all of those things are things that the Knicks need, particularly because Mitchell Robinson is pretty much out for the year, perhaps. So when you add all those things, it's like okay, that's a good deal. All right, what are the downsides? Number one, OG Ananobi is going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. So I hope you like him a lot enough to yeah. pay him, right? Number two, OG Ananobi, much like Emmanuel Quickly, has bigger designs for himself. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not here to defer anybody's dream. I'm just here to relay to you the information that this is a guy who, in part of him wanting to get traded from Toronto, wanted to be somewhere where he could have a bigger offensive role mm-hmm. where he could reportedly command a salary in the neighborhood of $40 million a year. Although the reports also said he'd be willing to take a discount off of that in return for playing in New York. So this stretch right here, in some sense, is an audition for the Knicks as much as it is for OG Ananobi. OG's right. got to prove I'm that guy. But the Knicks have to say, at the end of it, it's like, oh, first of all, we have to give him the opportunities to show he's that guy. And if he does, what's the prize? The prize is you get to pay him a lot of money. The reality is, in the short term, he fits what they do a lot better than R.J. Barrett does. Yes. I talked about this a long time ago, the civil war between the thinking game and the impulse game. And you got the thinkers like Brunson, like Hart, like Hartenstein, like DiVincenzo. Like these are the guys that play kind of, I I would throw Grimes in that list, like guys that are playing the game, quote unquote, the right way. They're they're making basketball IQ decisions with every pass, dribble, and shoot. And then you got the impulse guys. The impulse guys are quickly. The impulse guys are Julius Randle. The impulse guys are to accept Mitchell Robinson, even though he's limited in what his impulses can allow him to do. And, uh, those are the guys that are like, yeah, basketball. Yeah, I got a ball shoot. Like, it, it's there's which when it's going, it, it looks great. But when it's not going, and particularly when you get to the playoffs where it's all thinking basketball, those guys tend to struggle. So, so you got rid of one of those guys and quickly. RJ Barrett, I always felt was like one foot on one side, one foot on the other. So you got rid of him and you added a couple of guys who are more of that type of basketball. So we'll see. It, it's part of a bigger plan, I think, for the Knicks to make themselves a smarter team. 
So you think so? OG is a thinking, a thinking yeah. basketball player. Yes. Having said that, like I said, this guy has bigger designs for himself. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know if part of his thought process is going to be like, I don't want to do the right thing anymore. I want to see right. how powerful, how where my potency go, potency goes, and you know that, Listen, that can go a lot of different directions. New York City will do that to people. They get there, and all of a sudden, you know, if you can make it there, someone once said, you can make it. Anywhere. I am just personally happy for RJ Barrett that he got to go home. He seems very excited about it. Yeah. The Raptors were all over that with their social media. Um, got to him real quick. And he actually, RJ looked happier than I've seen him in a long time. There wasn't a void behind his eyes, which I have sometimes felt that there was in New York City. Absolutely. He's got, he had that glaze about him. Yeah. That's like, man. Well, you like want to be like, are you good? Yeah, it's almost a catatonic state. And, and I mean, that's playing in New York. That's playing in New York under all those um, expectations and scrutiny. And I would I would argue, despite the great success of the Giants and the Yankees over you know, the last 20 years or whatever, the Knicks are still the most scrutinized team in New York, more than the Easily. Jets and, and Aaron Rodgers and all that. Like, all that stuff is... is Fun and funny and exciting and high profile, but it goes away at some point. For the Knicks, it doesn't matter whether they're good or bad. They are always under an immense microscope. There's another level to this that our, our friend Tom Havistow wrote about. R.J. Barrett is represented by Bill Duffy of WME. Respected agent, has a lot of clients all over the league. He's been around, represented Yao, represented Carmelo Anthony, represented Steve Nash, among a host of other uh, high profile Hall of Fame type players, right? OG Ananobi is going to New York. Do you, first of all, do you know what agency represents OG Ananobi? I do. CAA. Am I CAA. correct? CAA. Oh, okay. And, yeah, and, CAA. and I, and I am, am I also correct in saying, mean that he is represented by Leon Rose's son? Yes. No coincidence there. Who, by the way, you know who else he represents on the Knicks? Yes, is, but now I can't remember. Jalen Brunson? Oh, Jalen Brunson. There yeah. you go. So you have the president of the team. His son mm -hmm. represents the new acquisition, the president of the hmm. team. Son represents the free agency acquisition of a year ago, who is also the son of the assistant coach. Again, setting up this cozy affair at Madison Square Garden, where if you're represented by those three letters, CAA, it's welcome aboard. Uh, if you're not, it's like, well, you know, we have no use for you. Or, or, maybe, or maybe I shouldn't say no use, but we know we're not going to be adept at acquiring those guys because the other agencies are rightfully wary of the Knicks, not just because of their connection to a rival agency, but because of their past and the way they, they've handled things in the in the recent future. Well, I am certainly not on the Knicks, but... Oh, you're, you're one of them. Shout out to CAA. She's one of them. She's <laughs> one of them. Maybe the Knicks will draft me, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? What? I, just my mind just said shot forward eighteen months in the future. I'm Charlotte Wilder, Madison Square Garden Sports, like hosting Oddball. Oh, no. Listen, like, listen. Like, here's here's the difference. I I might be CAA. I am Madison Square Garden is not a fan of mine. So well, there's a little know. you know. I don't know. Maybe they didn't know you were CAA. Now that they know, it's like, oh, well, why did you say so, Red? I should have told them. Champagne flute, here you go. <laughs> Nick, I hope you're listening.
the Pacers and the Bucks played again. Every time I look up, I'm like, the Bucks and the Pacers are playing again? Oh, they played a lot, and here's why. So they're right. division foes, so mm-hmm. that means they have to play against each other four times. But then mm-hmm. because they played against each other in the semifinal of the IST mm-hmm. back in Vegas, that adds a fifth time. So that's why it feels a lot more. Also, they've, they've played each other a lot, and we're not even halfway through the season. So that also contributes to it. But they played last night. Pacers won 122 to 113. They play again tomorrow night, I believe. Mm-hmm. And obviously the last time these two teams met was the infamous game ball debacle. Ballgate. Uh, Ballgate. Yeah, there you go. There's a lot swirling around those two teams, a little bit of a budding rivalry. Even Giannis acknowledged, hey, this is a team that we might see in the playoffs. And that's very likely given that the Bucks are a high seed and the Pacers are one of those teams that's floating around that uh, 7, 8, 9, 6, 7, 8, 9 portion of the standings Mm -hmm. when asked about the importance of the game Giannis had this to say it's just another game man is it the playoffs why would I look forward to it this is before playing the game Uh, first of all he might not he might not be lying and saying that he's not looking forward to it but I think he is lying and saying that it matters look this is you don't get so heated about a game ball if -hmm. you don't care and I think that that does have something to do with the in-season tournament because the Bucks lost. Damian Lillard played horribly. He had a horrible game. And it's mm-hmm. one of those things where if Dame has a bad game and Giannis can't overcome that and you lose to the Pacers, I feel like he's I feel like they're going to want to change. They're going to need to change that, quote, narrative. Yeah. Uh, when they play tomorrow, they're going to want to come back and be like, no, that isn't actually how, how it went. We can, we can beat these guys more than it might seem because the Pacers were in control at the end of the game last night. Yeah. And I think here's another thing, like Giannis world renowned, super psycho competitor, <laughs> right? Like, you can't, you can't act like, Oh, well, the Pacers tonight, I had no, like, bro, we know who you are, bro. We, right. we know who you are. And that's all right. We love you for it. Like that's this game. And this, this, this uh, sport celebrates the super psycho competitors, Kobe, Michael, like all the guys, Jimmy Butler, all the guys that take it too far, mm-hmm. we seem to be like, yeah, that's how you should be. So <laughs> you can't like act cool now. We know you're not cool. We know you're hot on this and we like it. And it and it gives right. extra meaning. And you know what? I, for one, hope they do play against each other in the playoffs because, well, let me tell you something. That would be an incredibly interesting series, particularly because Tyrese Halliburton has just been sensational over the last week or so. That is Giannis's part of his shtick, though, is is being absolutely cutthroat and then and then being like, oh, I don't who I don't even know her, which I sort of like. I sort of respect it. Just keep that going, Giannis. And we'll just keep having great who's lyings every single week. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you've got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use code ODDBALL. That's code O-D-D-B-A-L-L 
for new customers to get 150 smackaroos in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Charlotte, one of the things we missed over our extended break was the Detroit Pistons, first of all, breaking the single season <laughs> losing record and then tying the all-time consecutive losses record mm-hmm. before breaking that streak with a thrilling win against the aforementioned Toronto Raptors. Yeah. What a time. What yeah. a day it was. Everyone was going crazy. By the way, we we get it. They've lost a couple of times since then, including last night. Uh, against the Rockets in the Battle of the Thompson Twins. We'll get to that in a second, but... Yeah, but first, I mean, first I would like to say people forget that the Pistons almost beat the Celtics in overtime before... that's where I was headed. And and, and I just want to say, this is the thing that I have been saying this whole season, is that the Celtics possess an uncanny ability to freak me out because they have the best record, and then it's like, oh, you're... Oh, but you're going to lose to the Pistons? And they didn't, to be fair, but it should not have gone to overtime. They should not have been in that situation. It's the way they lost to the Pacers in the in-season tournament. It's those big moments that scare the living daylights out of me as somebody who cares about the Celtics to the point where it's like, I am not going to be comfortable no matter what that record is going into the playoffs. Let me pose to you the same question I posed on that night to Mike Schur famed TV creative, created Parks and Rec and The Good Place and a bunch of other very famous, very popular shows. Celtics super fan. And mm-hmm. I said to him in the middle of the Pistons when they were up 19 or whatever, I said, mm-hmm. what's, or actually it might've been like as they were going into overtime, I said, what's a more embarrassing, heartbreaking, emotional loss? Th- if you lose this one mm-hmm. or losing game seven to the Heat in the conference finals. I would, he dismissed that as a ridiculous question. But I want to hear your answer first before I give my justification. Game seven, they got there. At least they got there. They lost. They probably shouldn't have been in the finals for the way that they played anyway. Okay. Which is why I sort of see where you're going with the losing to the Pistons. If you are the team that is supposed to be the best team in the NBA, and then right. you lose to the worst team in the NBA. Maybe what, ever. What, Maybe the worst team ever, right? Yeah, not even in the NBA. Maybe the worst team ever. A team that I actually feel should have lost another game just to get that record. Because at that point, what are you even doing? It's like, oh, you're going to tie a record for losing the most? Just, just, excuse my language, go the whole way. Just go the whole way. (laughs) Just set the record altogether. I'm sick of the single season. Oh, spread over season. No, be the worst team if you're going to be the worst team. But for the Celtics to come so... I was embarrassed even that they came that close, I mean. So I, I see the validity of your question. Thank you. I appreciate you giving me the time today, unlike Mike Sure, who just kind of... Yeah, come on, Mike. Mike, aside. come on the show and let's talk about yeah. this. <laughs> Coward. Uh, Zach Harper, by the way, shares your sentiment. He said the Pistons ruined, quote, everything 
by not losing by not losing in 2024 by not by not making it to 2024 they should have yeah, lost all the way through the end of 2023 so you're not alone in that uh, uh, thank you as i mentioned earlier this game also featured the battle of the twins amen thompson also thompson uh and the rockets against yes, the rockets I'm, Against yeah, I'm in Thompson of the Rockets, Oscar Thompson of the Pistons, twins playing against each other, and as the father of twins, and as someone who has worked on teams that had twins, we yeah. had Robin Lopez, who twin brother Brooke Lopez, we had Markeith Morris, who had twin brother Marcus Morris. I can tell you right now, hell hath no fury like two twins going up against each other. I don't <laughs> give a damn. Lakers, Celtics, Red Sox, uh, Yankees, Real Madrid, Barcelona. None of those rivalries comes within a fraction of two twins going at each other at anything. And wow. so despite uh, I think Oscar Thompson has had the better season, his twin brother Amen had the better game, 12.6 assists, five of six from the field. And most importantly, the massive, massive victory. I will never understand what it's like to have a sibling, let alone a twin. So I can only imagine the desire to prove you are superior. Uh, it's at all at everything. It doesn't matter. It's 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 why does why do they get the I didn't get the well, it's, it's like that. One of my favorite things ever mm -hmm. is when I worked for the Suns in the offseason, Brooke would come and spend some time in Phoenix. And so Robin and Brooke would play one-on-one -on -one against each other on the practice court. And we'd know that because you could hear them screaming at each other from down the hall, like, what is that sound? And if you've heard the Lopez twins talks, they have a very deep, very Muppet-like voice. So imagine that voice shrieking and then I, I double it. I can't, and I don't even know what that would I sound like. I can only describe it as this is, you know, I walk in and I see them playing. I can only describe it as this. Have you ever seen giraffes fight? No. They use their necks as like Indiana Jones style whips, like <laughs> like they, they use their head and they like just whip their necks at each other. That's what it looks like. It just looks like that and a basketball. <laughs> and and there, I mean, you could see it. these guys were at this point, they're in their 20s. They're both millionaires. They're both playing. Uh, for for you know NBA teams with established roles and they're, they're good players. I mean, this isn't, and they look like I looked at them and I saw twelve year olds. I didn't see grown men. I saw twelve year olds in the backyard arguing about that's not out of bounds. It's not about no, you don't you travel like and like just the whole time. And when 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 they weren't arguing, the basketball was immensely physical. I mean, I'm talking about like. If it were two regular people, two people weren't related, I would say there's a fight that's about to happen. Like we need to break this up right now. We can't allow these guys to continue because it was that physical. It was like violently physical. But and, instead, no, iron instead, sharp is iron. Iron, I guess iron sharp is iron. <laughs> and it's funny because at that time I didn't have twins, so mm -hmm. I'm like, oh my god. And now I'm like, oh, it it all makes sense. It all they'll makes work sense. it out. All right. One of the things that happened over the New Year's break, our friend Tom Havister wrote on his Substack, The Finder, about an uncovered piece of audio that he received about a week or so ago. It was John Morant in a locker room in Oklahoma City after a, an ejection telling the media that uh, he felt that the ref that ejected him, Ray Acosta, was being, quote, a hoe. And this sound 
never got out. It, it was never broadcast anywhere. Even the league did not know about it. And the reason right. why is because there was only one media member in the locker room when he said it. Not because the media member got there early or got there late, but because it was the holiday season 2022. It was OKC and Memphis, two small market teams with no direct flights. So no Memphis traveling media was even there to, to document it. Uh, and from Oklahoma City, the guy who did document it was not even the main AP stringer. He was the backup, the backup AP guy who filled in for the main guy because the main guy was on his holiday break. And so the journalist who captured the sound was writing about Jaws ejection, decided not to include the sound for two reasons. One, he felt like it took away from the story of the story was about the ejection. The story isn't about Jaws, you know, calling the guy a hoe or whatever. But then the other part was he said, I'm it's, this was my regular beat. If I was like 20 years old and trying to make my name, I would have maybe ran with it. He was like, I'm 60 years old. I'm backing up a guy who's on his holiday break. The last thing I want to do is leave him like a, a sack of dog shit on fire on his doorstep. Like, hey, happy new year. Have fun with this as you do your job. And I go back to my regular life as right. a college professor. Tom wasn't really like taking Jaw to task or anything. His theory was that because we've limited the amount of media who are around these star players because mm -hmm. of COVID, because of tightening restrictions, all that stuff, these new generation of players do not have the experience of feeling like you're under a microscope at all times, like the LeBrons and the Carmelo Anthony's and the Chris Pauls and the people of past generations. And so, Charlotte, you are an actual journalist. I'm not. I well, wanted to know what you thought of that theory, that the idea that media is not only good because it uncovers things, but media is good because it makes guys kind of like stand, be on their toes a little bit more than kind of how they've been a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, I don't want to extrapolate anything about, you know, the the off-court stuff with Jaw and this, but I, I will say I think that there starts to feel like there's some sort of a connection. If you don't feel like you're being monitored or watched all the time, if you feel like you have the leeway to say things like this, that in a press conference would get you a five-figure fine, mm -hmm. um, then that can that can lead to a sense of no one's really checking me, I think. And I'm not saying that the media exists to check people in terms of like, how should you be as a person? But the media does exist to say, here's what's going on. Here's what I saw. And if players feel like, oh, well, they're not doing that. So why would I hold back? Or why would I not say what I'm thinking? Then yeah, I think that that does make them feel a little bit more entitled in terms of or free or less worried about how they're acting, and you can see it in the way LeBron. Every single thing LeBron says is, is feels like it was Measured. written by yeah, it was written by a PR firm. He's his yeah. own PR firm, and if you don't have that because of that intense scrutiny in the locker room your whole life. I think it's going to manifest itself in different ways. I think the best example I can give to regular people, like, why does it matter? Just think about like this, how you talk at home versus how you talk at work, right? Yeah. You, you at home might use certain language, might talk to certain people in a certain way, and they get it and everything's cool because uh, he doesn't really mean it or she doesn't really mean it. But when you get to work, you can't do that. You have to comport yourself with some amount of professionalism now. And so Ja calls him a hoe. Whether it's right or wrong is irrelevant. The, what's relevant is that he feels comfortable enough to say that on cam, on excuse me, on mic, on record, because he hasn't lived with consequence in that way. Not the consequence of the media shaking its fist at you, but the yeah, consequence yeah. of the world hearing it 
and then judging you for what you said on the record at your workplace. Which is sort of hilarious that our work is just being on the record all the time. Yeah. Well, thanks for watching Oddball. That was one hell of a cold exit. Thank you.